Welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Thanks, Warpaint Paul from Gardokin for his awesome intro. We that really enjoyed that. super good. <laughs> that was... Wow. That was amazing. He's I got had, a really yeah. good voice. Yeah. Really good. It's it, been it was, stuck in our head for many days now. Yeah, yeah. It was super cute. Yeah. I was I was kind of blown away. I, I was... Yeah, I mean, wow. Thank you. It it's was, a whole song. It yeah. adorable. <laughs> All of the little little things in there. <laughs> so I'm going to cut in a piece of it into the beginning of the episode, and then I'll put the entire song at the end of the episode, the entire Hey You Damn Guys song. Yeah, um, it's, a so, whole, it's a whole song, so yeah, wait yeah. till the end of the episode and hear the whole thing. That was just kind of a little preview. Yeah. It's like a, a taste of things to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for all your work, Paul. He said... Glad it got a laugh. I listened to The Wild Hunt Part 2 yesterday. I had to instantly buy the digital version because you made comments about things I had missed and I wanted to check them myself. I hope Dark Horse is giving you a percentage on these sales. (laughs) Yeah, so keep those intros coming. I'm so happy with all the ones we've gotten. And if you've sent me one in, you'll be coming up. I'm playing them in the order that they were received. Thanks, y'all. Just the amount of thoughtfulness that goes into these yeah it's very... really nice <laughs> it's also a lot of fun too to hear um to hear you guys voice right before Super the podcast cute, it yeah. is yeah that's what it's about that's what it's about You're reading it comics <laughs> and talking to your friends all right go ahead <laughs> wait what was it about i didn't hear the whole story <laughs> <laughs> this week they released a whole bunch of new hellboy products that are going to be coming out hyping up the new movie oh shit you showed me one of those uh on, anyway, sorry. What what did I show you? You showed me something that I thought was a photograph. I was like, why are you showing me a photograph of, of David Harbour in makeup like, in costume? And you were like, oh, the same people that made this made the these things over here. Sculptures or yeah, some, some the action, action figures. figures the, and yeah. I was like, oh, they made his costume and his makeup? And I was confused. And you were like, no, they made, that's a statue. That's an action figure. And I was like, the fuck you say? <laughs> I thought this was a picture. I thought it was a photo. Yeah. Of the actor in costume. I seriously. Seriously the did. new action figure of David Harbour and as it Hellboy. really yeah. looks like it's a fucking foot. And I was like, "That's it a looks fucking really awesome. sculpt." Holy shit! So they, yeah, they that was amazing. There's also going to be a coaster cool. set, an enamel pin set, some magnets. There's also a puzzle of that awesome Mignola print from New York City Comic Con, a journal, some playing cards. I really like the cards and a Hellboy oh, mug. So That's cool. get all the things. Yeah, you know I'm down for some enamel pins. So yeah. I don't know why, but the coaster and the puzzles the ones that make me go, ooh, I went with those. Yeah, <laughs> they're really cool. So check out all those items. They're going to be coming out as Something we get for ready everyone. for the new Hellboy movie. Yeah. Also, make sure to check out our pals at Mignolaverse.com. By the time that this episode comes out, you can read my article on Gragok as we count down the days to Hellboy Day. Very thoughtful article. Oh, thank you. And thanks to Can't Kevin Alf. <laughs> and yeah, thanks for editing that oh. for me. 
And thanks to Kevin Alford and the gang for giving me a stab at one of these things. Maybe you'll see me on another article on the countdown down the line. Heck yeah. Cool. And if you want to write for Mignolaverse, they're yeah. looking for people to write. It's and good, yeah, you can you. just submit something and they'll probably use it. Yeah. So go do that. Hey, Aubrey, wouldn't you love to have a Hellboy Volume 5 library edition with the oversized, beautiful pages of Darkness Calls and the Wild Hunt soon to be adapted into a freaking movie? Fuck yeah, I sure would. <laughs> well, you can't enter this contest, but everyone else listening can. <laughs> Until the end of February, subscribe to Mignolaverse.com on YouTube and leave a review for us on iTunes, and you could get this sweet book shipped to you for free. Hey, how about it? Wait a dazzle it in front of me and then pull it away. <laughs> What do you see? What do you say? Keep those reviews coming. We've gotten some pretty good ones. We got this one. I had to read this one from Delvin Mui. He said, hell of a good time. The excitement, care, and attention to detail that Danielle, John, and Aubrey bring to this podcast make it something truly special. The Mignolaverse is vast, and this crew is able to pull it all together, connect the dots, and bring us one step closer to a beautiful apocalypse. Keep up the amazing work, folks. Not all heroes wear capes, but sometimes they eat a whole bunch of pickles. <laughs> <laughs> we got a Hey You Damn Guys from our pal Matt Strackbine. Matt Strackbine. What's up? King of Fear was a mind-blowing game-changer for sure and contained some of my most favorite BPRD moments. I can't tell you how many times I've thought of that mysterious photo in Liz's vision with a weird-looking Abe, Hellboy Returned, and Bearded oh, Devon, yeah. etc. Weird. All the way up to present day, actually. Also, I think you guys now realize how easy it is to take the Black Flame as a villain, but, and this is kind of spoilery, I had yet to coin the phrase, kill the Black Flame, <laughs> as of this series. So save some of that hate. Anyway, great podcast episode. Again, it is so much fun to hear you react to the stuff exactly how I did. Not only that, but it really does make sense to have a book club for these comics. Just like John, I had hardly anyone to share these insane revelations with at the time, and now I finally do. So welcome aboard, buckle up, and hang on tight. This is only the beginning in so many ways, and I'm more excited than ever about the Hellboy universe, watching you guys see how it all plays out. Yeah, yeah it's so good th stuff. Although my, my hatred give... reserves are infinite. <laughs> it's not finite. There's no limit to the amount of hatred I have for Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> we got a Hey You Damn Guys from Garrett Wenger. Hey, book clubbers, in your King of Fear episode, I couldn't help but catch mention that a couple of you led former lives employed by Hollywood Video. <laughs> Me and Aubrey worked at Hollywood Video. For too long. That's actually how we met, and I'm writing in as a fellow former Hollywood Video Whoa. MOOC. Oh, yeah. I'll always miss the area of brick-and-mortar video rental, but I can't say that I miss Hollywood. <laughs> I think we have similar feelings. Wow. Well, I kind of I miss the nostalgia of video stores. I miss some of the guys yeah. that we used to work with. But uh, yeah, no, I don't really miss working for them at all. You know, everyone's talking about all these different Excalibur movies. I wish that there was a Hollywood video that I could just go to and rent all those or whatever. Right? I mean, I guess I could just rent them online. But you go up to the person behind the counter and be like, "Hey." Okay, I'm looking for this movie. <laughs> it had this guy, and he was like, oh my God, he was like a knight or something. And then uh, and it had that guy that was in it from that show. Yeah. And he was married to that, that woman. <laughs> and then you could just do that forever. Yeah, I know. And then they would love you for it. That's where I got that That's skill from. That's their favorite part of their day <laughs> is when people do that. I used to be really good at that. 
Yeah. Were you? Was that like a skill that you developed? Yeah, it oh, was yeah, kind of weird. Is. I mean, it was weird because people would like come in with the vaguest description. Sure. I could actually, I can't do it now. You can. But, <laughs> I can still kind of do that. I mean, I could do it somewhat. It, the, it's out of practice, but like people would like. It becomes like an intuition thing. So, yeah. yeah. Somebody's like, okay, so it's this movie. Yeah. It's got this guy. I just the box did that. was blue. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mercury Rising with Bruce Willis? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> but he says, on the topic of media rental, I wanted to write in with a bit of advice for fans in case it hasn't been mentioned on an episode prior. The Hoopla digital lending app is more or less the only reason I was able to jump headfirst into the Mignolaverse, and I highly recommend other listeners look into the service. Mm. Hoopla is an app for borrowing ebooks, digital comics, movies, etc., and it partners with local libraries to provide a digital lending service. It's free, available through many, but not all libraries in the u.s and canada and it has a really intuitive and well-designed comics ui that is super cool now he just says uh, collectability is a really fun part of being a comics fan but if your wallet is tight or accessibility is difficult for other reasons i feel like a digital library system is a really awesome solution i'm at a point in my life where amassing a huge physical collection is a pain not to mention the dark horse collections constantly going out of print and skyrocketing in price this app gave me a chance to read and enjoy the full core Hellboy series and BPRD through 2016. I've read through twice now. Yeah, absolutely. And we can't all be collectors or yeah. and all of that for various reasons. I think that's an amazing resource. Uh, I've never heard of Hoopla, so thank you for bringing that no, to No, yeah, our somebody attention. brought it up on a previous episode. And didn't you look into it, Aubrey, or something? Yeah, uh, my sister uses the opposite one than Hoopla. Okay. Well, she can't remember what it is, but she couldn't find the Hellboy So I've heard there. of Hoopla and then forgot about it yeah, promptly. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for reintroducing that idea. Yeah, I have to check that out. That is super good. I'd say I'm actually really a fan of digital comics these days over yeah. regular, over just regular floppies. Sure. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I really like the idea, though, of it being like a library? Oh, yeah. It's well, like a digital, like a library. Well, and they have other stuff on there, too, like movies. No, that's super and, yeah. cool. Well, no, and then I also just wanted to bring up, you know, because I use um, the Marvel Unlimited app to go back and read back through all these Marvel stuff that's stuff that I enjoy but really wouldn't want to collect so right I'm gonna have to check out this hoopla because you know it sounds like they have a lot a of the wide yeah, variety of stuff and a lot of the Hellboy yeah. stuff that we're reading Albert from Canberra Australia here absolutely love the podcast you guys create this cozy atmosphere of hanging out with a bunch of old friends talking about the best comic book series ever beside a roaring fireplace as it rains at night Aww. that would make a nice comic book panel actually done in the mignola for gradle style obviously that would be good stuff my question is this we have the next generation of consoles on the horizon and i wanted to ask if you guys had an unlimited budget and mignola's blessing what kind of Hellboy Mignolaverse video game would you make? Personally, I would spend five to six years creating a Horizon Zero Dawn meets Red Dead 2 meets Metal Gear Solid 5 style title, where you're able to go across the whole world to investigate a whole range of different situations, both on behalf of the BPRD and Solo. Would it follow the path of the comics? When would you set it? Thank you so much, and keep up the phenomenal work. Kindest and super grateful regards, Albert, host of Interactive Artistry, a video game podcast. That's awesome. Yeah, so cool. check out his podcast. I'll probably listen to some episodes of that this week. I understood like half the words in that. Okay. So <laughs> I got the gist of it. We do all kind of play games, yeah. Yeah, uh, I do like the Telltale. Okay. Games. You'd like those you kind like, of the I point think and that click, would be kind yeah. Of a cool thing, or like a Final Fantasy type of deal. Like, but like, how would that play out? It just would. Like your team is the BPRD, yeah. and you—it's kind of like you a turn-based. You can turn -based. swap out different characters okay. throughout the story, and there's a. Uh, 
like there's always a Sid. I guess there would always be a Professor Broom. Right. There, you know what I mean? And like the, of course, all of the, uh, you know, instead of the sorceress, it'd be like, you know, the Rasputin and then like the Ogdru Jihad because of the final form, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. And then like it would, you know, you get a story there and dialogue and probably some cool music and some awesome characters and some cool, everyone has their different moves and their right. different weapons and the story. You know, you can do side quests, right? Mm -hmm. With the little side stories. We do those little one-shot stories. Right? Right. I think a Final Fantasy world would be, would lend itself really well to a Hellboy video game. Hmm. Kind of a Hellboy skin on yeah, the Final yeah. Fantasy world, so to speak. What do you think, Aubrey? I think I kind of go more of a Breath of the Wild kind of um, path, the, the latest Zelda game. Or, you know, one of the, like Ocarina of Time or, one of, you know, one of the 3D Zelda games, something like that. And then still everything you just said from Final Fantasy <laughs> and throw it into the Zelda. Because sure. I do feel like those series can kind of complement each other. And but it's so played... interesting that both of y'all picked like RPGs yeah. type model. Well, it's an, yeah, I mean, I think that it would lend itself really well with it right in. But I never played anything like the Red Red uh, Redemption. What is it? Red Dead Red 2. Dead. Things. Yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn. I never played any of that, so I don't know. Well, Red Dead Redemption, I would say, is more like a uh, Western RPG. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, kind of. I mean, it's like you're going on quest and you're building yourself up, but it's on a whole Western theme. It's I guess it's more closer to GTA. Mm, though. I stand by my decision. I like, no. <laughs> you know, I I like all the action adventure games. You know, like um, you know, the Batman Arkham games and the Spider Man game. Oh, I'm yeah, thinking something more like, like that. Games. Oh, you know, but I, I would like um something like I don't know. I I wish that you could switch out between different members. Like in the in the comics, my model definitely yeah, compensates you, you, for that. You know, like in the comics. Daimyo and Hellboy don't exist at the same time, but I would like something that combined all of that, where you could have Johan, Hellboy, <laughs> Abe, Liz, Daimyo, Kate, Roger. You I'm could telling have like you this. right now, yeah. Final Fantasy VIII, except it's Hellboy. Right. The end. You're done. <laughs> See, I guess if I was going to do just Hellboy by himself, I'd want to go the Zelda route. But if I'm going to do the BPRD, I'd go the Final Fantasy route. See, I'd want to have <laughs> the whole thing in there. I'd want to. I would want to be able to choose between but like this all model these. also allows for certain parts of the story being just Hellboy or right. just one person, or you can even switch the entire yeah. team off to another like timeline. No, but I'm almost thinking like a Resident Evil Four type of you know action adventure and different missions are the different characters. Yeah, so like stage one is. Your Hellboy stage two is your Kate, and it's just kind of like a Resident Evil. And then sure. stage three, you're like Abe, and that's the like water level or whatever. There could be a cutscene to uh, it could be a cutscene to the past where now you're get to play as Lobster Johnson. Oh, that or would be Or it's a awesome. dream. You're in a dream, yeah, and you get to play as like that all the three time. other totally separate people. Like you know what I'm saying? I think that that is. I don't that's know. That's a great question. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Video game developers out there, get on it. Get make on all it. of our ideas happen <laughs> seamlessly. You're going to have to call uh, Something that will please all of us. But yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Albert, for that great question. Make sure to check out his podcast, Interactive Artistry. Some feedback on the Wild Hunt. Jason Abaddon said regarding Hellboy not drinking LaFay's wine. It's one of those folklore things. You never drink or eat fairy food. It's supposed to incur a debt. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. I cannot believe none of us caught that. That's so good. Good catch. Thank you for bringing that up. 
Ryan Ull said, you guys were talking about movies and television shows about the legend of King Arthur. I enjoyed the show Camelot, which originally aired on Stars in 2011, but can now be streamed on Netflix. It's only one season, 10 episodes, and it has Ava Green as Morgan Le Fay, of whom I am a fan. Hmm. Yeah, so go check cool. that out. I, I'm glad that it's on Netflix because I can just like access <laughs> it. I've been trying to look for these other movies and... None right. of them I could find in any of the streaming services. None of these horrible, horrible movies. Well, I really want to see Excalibur, and so, but I think I'm going to get that one this week. I think I'm just going to rent it, and we can maybe watch it this week. Sure. I want to check that out. Where are you going to rent it from? I don't know, Amazon or Hollywood Video. Hollywood Video. Yeah. I'm go rent it there. Some feedback on The King of Fear. Colin DeGraff said, similar to what Danielle said on the show, this arc was my introduction to the BPRD. I read King of Fear issues one through four from a comic book shop, and when I got to the last few pages, I was gobsmacked. Where I live, though, there was some sort of shipping shortfall, and the comic shop never got issue five. What? Jeez. By by my account, King of Fear four was the cliffhanger ending, and the one I'd wind up waiting years to find out what happened. So four was the one, but in in four, you got the double splash page of the Mignola art. Yeah. And then you also got where Liz finds all those photos. Sure. Jeez. And then, yeah, I mean, wow. <laughs> when I couldn't get issue five, I went backwards. I picked up the first issues of BPRD and read through the Plague of Frogs, not knowing that Hell on Earth was around the corner. That's going to be the next series sure. that we get to. When I finally caught back up with the reading order, I was confused. Because of my unique reading order, I wasn't mad. I just felt like it was another chapter. Comics have long been undervalued, but series like the BPRD and the rest of the Mignolaverse, I argue, are incredibly valuable for helping people discover what the medium has to offer as an artistic storytelling medium. Yes. I see the BPRD as a quirky, accessible, horror-tuned military thriller. (laughs) And yes, I agree with Jan Niklas, and we're going to get to that comment next, that it's more mainstream in that appeal. But I'd argue that's important. It provides a gateway to Hellboy and the Witchfinder, And damn, I'd never have grabbed a copy of Lobster Johnson if not for this series. (laughs) King of Fear holds a special place in my heart. I read it when it first came out, again when the hardcovers rolled off the press, and again for the Hellboy Book Club. And I have so much more to say about it. Yeah, so I thought that was a great comment, and he did have more to say about it. He left another really great comment, which I thought was cool. He said, which fear is the most common? Is it nyctophobia, the fear of the dark, where we descend the cramped steps of a hollow earth or Nazi castle? Is it thanatophobia, where we fear the dead of our friends or loved ones like Kate or Liz? Is it xenophobia, that uncertain fear that gnaws at Devon when he looks now at Abe? Mm. The beauty and horror behind The King of Fear is that it is more than the title of a subterranean monster man. It's a reflection of all the things that make our characters uncomfortable, nervous, and terrified. The King of Fear is the heightened state of realization that the world is quickly becoming something it shouldn't be. A combination of all nightmares coming true all at once. So in the end, maybe it's a thazagoraphobia, the fear of being forgotten. Humanity, it seems, is destined to be trampled by the Ogdra Jihad and their progeny. Our art cities and people will be swept aside into the irrelevance by gods that see us as little more than dust. But if humanity goes down swinging, so be it. Kings might have fear, but they also have courage. They'll rally their swords, their hairlock carriers... Their round tables of realms, the UN, and their people, the BPRD, even in failure and death, those who fight and maintain their confidence in the face of fear are victorious. So it begins. Interesting. 
Yeah, so I thought that that was really great, and he like very insightful way to tie that all. Yeah, and he, together. he kind of had the panels kind of cut together where all the guards are kind of turning on Abe, and Kate is afraid that Johan's lost forever, and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I thought that was really insightful. Yeah. Jen Niklas had a comment that was a little controversial. <laughs> in the uh, you're talking about in the uh, the Facebook thing. Yeah, in our Facebook comment thread, there was yeah. a lot of great comments. Give us some context. Was that where was that on? Uh, was for on? the for the King of Fear when I posted the King of Fear episode, there right. was a discussion. You're talking about on um, on our Facebook. Yes, yeah. on the they Hellboy made, Book Club podcast Facebook a, page. Okay, they made there a was comment there. That definitely was, an interesting yeah. discussion that went on. Yeah, there. you were looking at that, so mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll read part of this. I haven't seen it honestly, but Jen Niklas says I have to play grumpy German. I think the story was fine, but with all the stuff they introduced with Abe, I thought not another one. We have HB, we have Liz, and now Abe. I hated that the story would continue because it didn't need to be a big to be continued sign. Most of the plot stuff just ended thanks to Liz Ex Machina, and it was time to concentrate on the good stuff again, I thought. The end was a big reminder that American books are the heirs of the pulp story. We have ended this cool story, but there will be more as long as you give us money. And I know that Yikes. It, and I know that is Harsh. the idea behind it, but I wanted more Hellboy. And back then it felt like they put Hellboy behind so they could publish more BPRD because that was the more beloved one. And I never got that. For me, BPRD was always more mainstream and therefore not as good as Hellboy. This lesser series was stealing the spotlight from my favorite. Oh well. Luckily the future BPRD series turned out way better, so in the long run it worked out. Little details on the end of the lobster. At first I thought that this was a good ending too, but then I thought longer about it, and I think this may just be another horror story. We have dead Nazis, yeah, and also dead American soldiers that are doomed to roam this castle until the end of the world. And the only one that is happy about it is the crazy guy with the gun. This has to be hell. I need a drink, so I'll see you in Mexico next week. Those were certainly opinions yeah and there were a definitely lot. a lot of them <laughs> uh and a, it, it, a lot of speculation in there too that i feel was kind of unfounded right well you know jerry turnbull he commented and he said that he didn't really think bprd was a mainstream book and i don't really think that it's it is either not, no. you know i i wish that it were more popular than it actually is yeah. i think that probably more people have read the hellboy stuff and not the bprd yeah, for stuff sure. so i don't know you know what i mean i i think everybody has their own opinions on it which is really good and really interesting and there were some really good points made in that comment it's thread. It's definitely a conversation yeah. that they are having. And well, I, I took it as um, mainstream, not as in like it's more popular. I took it as in the story is, well, it's like how we talk about how it's more grounded and it deals with more just sure, mainstream think, topics. Yeah. I mean, and then yeah. like with Hellboy, it's yeah. got all the whole weird, very mystical stuff that's been going on I think it just comes down that. to his personal yeah. opinion of the stories and the content and the... Uh, all of that. It just is basically he's saying, well, this is what I wanted to see and this is yeah. what I saw, which is yeah. fine. I and mean, I, we all do that. And I think, that we you know, I think watch and read. Jen Niklaus also goes on to say that he wasn't a big fan of the big long story arcs. And I'm typically not a big fan of those either. But the BPRD, this story series gripped me in a way. I don't know. I, I just think it's one of the best long-running series that I've ever read. I don't know that I've read a title as many years as I have, and I've read a lot of comics, but this one just kind of pulled think, me along, you know? I and think a lot of that speculation 
that we heard can be boiled down to personal taste. Yeah. Honestly. And, you know, well, this was just kind of my jam in terms of, sure. you know, yeah. you just like this kind of material or you don't. Or you don't, yeah. yeah. And that's totally fine. I think that's fine. I can kind of understand, I guess, the comment about how, like, it didn't really end, kind of. It's just like, you know, but wait, there's more kind of stuff. Right, like. yeah. Um, you know, like, Kathy, she's been watching a lot of um, shows from foreign countries, like, especially, like, Korea mostly Korean their shows like they go for a story and then it's done and then you know so it's like a one season show every show is like one season sure. right and so I guess it's like there's something to be said about just ending a story and then going on to another one. sure yeah. yeah absolutely but I I don't know if don't I, get me wrong I I'm really enjoying the BPRD I could just understand that argument yeah right but then again how how much of our lives are tied up in neat little bows you yeah. know when do we ever get oh no have true, you known true. anyone who ever had a Nice, happy ending. Yeah, but sure, but like, not everyone comes to comics to be like real life. Some people sure. come for it to and be I, totally different. If you've got a different approach to the way a narrative should be driven, that's totally fine. I'm not saying that that's an opinion you cannot have. That's obviously a totally fine opinion to have. Of course, leaving a narrative open ended in certain ways can be frustrating for some people, but I personally am not bothered by yeah. it. I think that it's like I kind of just go off into my own head canon at that point and be like, Well, I'm sure it resolved itself down the line. <laughs> yeah. The end. I don't know. I know there's something to be said about a story that ends and then that's it, but then I don't know, with the BPRD and the way that it's been structured, it's like in the different little story arcs, but you know, and then like something like will happen like all of a sudden like Roger will be dead, but you know they got to keep moving forward. And right. then all of a sudden, Daimyo is a were jaguar sure. hanging out with a yeti, not a yeti, <laughs> like a Wendigo, <laughs> like you do. Uh, you know, like these things happen in real life, but they don't get to resolve <laughs> that, and they just keep going. And so I feel like that actually is kind of real, more like real life. It's like how many things that are left behind. Well, not like real life, real life. But oh, it's right. like it's similar to what you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What, you haven't run into a Wendigo? <laughs> you know, not for a while. Not for a long time. They don't like the warm weather down no, here. No, not yet. <laughs> I'm happy with whatever they're giving me until I'm not, and then I'll just put it down and right. go do something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'll yeah. hey, if you just want to keep writing this book, I'll read it until it's not good anymore. And so far, it's still pretty great. So yeah, keep reading it. Something else I forgot to talk about, Jerry Turnbull kind of pointed this out. The lobster, when his ghost is saying, where is the justice? And then when he sees the battle scene of the ghost, he says, there it is. Right? So the justice. That's yeah. what he's seen. That's how he's able to move on. So, yeah, I thought that was a good point. We didn't really talk about that. When I posted the comparison of the Black Flame from the story, the Black Flame, and then in this story, Anang117 said, one of my favorite villains for the Mignolaverse. Friends of Strackbine said, Arg, kill the Black Flame. <laughs> Jason Abaddon said, I haven't read all the miniseries from the 40s and 50s, but I still want to know what's the deal with the original Black Flame from back then, the guy whose corpse Pope had on display in his creepy secret office. And there is a story, but we'll get to that way down the line. When I posted about the Black Flame's comparison of Abe and the Frog Monsters, Jason Abaddon said, I kind of love-hate the story because it seriously made me want to smack Devon. BPRD always manages to make their characters believable by occasionally have them let us down. Everyone is a jerk sometimes, I guess. I thought that was a great comment. Yeah. Yeah, I saw somebody posted a comment with a picture of Devon, and like, and so it begins. And right, it, yeah. Wasn't it uh, Jerry Turnbull? Yeah, he said the first crack or oh, something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And so it's making me 
what's gonna fucking no, yeah. happen yeah. to Devin? It's a good story because that is yeah. good writing. Yeah. It's good writing to have these little things. Yeah. Yeah. These are, it's it's an unexpected permutation and that is exciting mm-hmm. every time. Even if you hate it, you're just like, I can't wait to keep hating this. I can't wait. <laughs> Mark Tweedo on Twitter, he posted an awesome unused cover for The King of Fear. It's an Abe cover, Mignola Abe cover. So I'll repost that. And then Mark Tweedo, he has the pencils, the actual Guy Davis pencils of those pages when Liz finds the photos. Oh, yeah. And he posted those to our Twitter. Jeez. So, oh my God. Yeah, they're really awesome. He actually has those. I, I did see that. That was a uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I never got on Twitter, but that's one time I got on Twitter <laughs> <laughs> when I posted the comparison of Cree Graph number ten. Matthew Boyne said, "We've had a Black Flame series, and now we have a Crimson Lotus series. We need an Adventures of Von Clampton Cree Graph series next." <laughs> when I posted the Black Flames comparison to Revelation. Ross Radke said, this was such a cool page. Revelation is really way stranger than the rest of the Bible. This volume of BPRD really delivers a bunch of ominous portents and little glimpses of the future to analyze, wonder, and worry about. That's exactly how I felt about this series, uh, this specific storyline. And I also want to thank Ross for giving me some positive reinforcement about actually saying his name correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So we're going to get ready to do our Hellboy in Mexico episode, and this is going to be a drinking episode. We're going to kind of do a drinking game. Did you want to say a little something about yeah, that? Yeah, I wanted to just kind of uh, just briefly mention, I know that we probably have some sober listeners, and so I just want to say we respect and admire you for doing what's best in your life, and we want to encourage you in your sobriety. We know that can be challenging for a number of reasons, and we also know that's the best thing to do for some people, and we support you in that. So uh, having said that... If you want to skip this episode, we understand, but we hope you'll join us again for the next episode, or alternatively, please do shots of your favorite juice along with us, or ginger ale, or something similar, and just kind of kick back with us. Either way, we love you, and yeah. we think that that is fine. So, yeah. Well said. Um, can I ask, add one thing? Yeah, please. Uh, so, we're all drinking over here at John and Danielle's house, and I took a lift over here. We're yeah. taking a lift home. If you are going to be drinking, please do it responsibly and don't drive yeah right. yeah i yeah. know yeah we're doing yeah. the we're doing the take a cab take a lift we're having uh, a fun have saturday a friend, have yeah. a friend yeah. drive you we're here something. we yeah. have plenty of water we're yeah. you know we're, we're not, eating um, food and drinking water we're yeah. yeah and also we're not taking full shots or anything like that or not chugging anything we're doing like little half shots third shots taking a sip of beer like it's very tame so we still have to record this podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay just... let's do this uh we're gonna this do this first shot. shot. So hey, we're, we're taking a shot. This is the Hellboy cinnamon whiskey, and we have our shot glasses here. But really quick, let's let's talk about this. I it's have this Hellboy Hellwater. Yeah, and I have this Hellboy Artist Edition shot glass that I got for pre-ordering the Artist Edition. What do you have there, Aubrey? I have this uh, Thug shots uh, with the little uh, guy on it. What do you see? What do you say? It's one of those <laughs> Guy Davis guys. Yeah, guy Davis. Guy da- we saw them in that Hellboy ad. Yeah. 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 I got the Hellboy. Uh, it's just the Hellboy logo. The logo that was done by Kevin Nolan, yeah. right? P- Proto by Kevin Nolan. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. All right. All right. Here we touch, go. Touch Salute. your glass onto my glass, and now we're friends. All right. Mm. Okay, where's the beer? Tastes like college. 
like candy. <laughs> it's like a weird candy. Okay. Let me flavor my own alcohol. How do you flavor your alcohol? It depends on the alcohol. Here, give me those glasses and put them over here. So oh, good idea. Thank right. you, Danielle. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on the alcohol. Honestly, we got we got Tito's here. We got a bottle of Tito's. Texas's own. Texas's own Tito's. I love that. And we got. Some... Don't don't name the rest of them. <laughs> They're just, those are just random liquors we've accrued over time. Well, I, I brought myself a bottle of the Johnny Walker Black, and okay. I intend to drink the whole thing. The whole bottle. All right. This God, Aubrey, are you sure you want to do that? Yes. You know, he's, yep. He can handle it. Yeah. Tequila will be my next shot. Okay. Yeah, it'll be my next shot. All but right. I, I gotta get I gotta, I gotta get through this bottle Y'all of Johnny Walker. So many different kinds of liquors. Oh, I think they did a Mythbusters episode oh, on that. Oh, it's a Mythbusters <laughs> thing. Oh, okay. Well, then fine. You don't like how I'm immediately able to change my opinion and worldview when I hear that Mythbusters did it. I'm like, oh, well, fine then. It's fine, probably. Well, well don't don't take it as canon because I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> but I think they did. So, I also like how we refer to reality as canon. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. So I think that we decided to take a drink whenever the characters are drinking. Whenever the characters take so a I was, drink. I was thinking, well, not every time the characters take a drink. Maybe every, every single time. Every page that there is drinking on. How's that? Yeah. And yeah, if I might start to drop off at the end depending sure. on... Sure. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> The rules are completely flexible we'll and in no goes. way enforced. These stories are all set in 1956 during Hellboy's five-month drunken weekend in Mexico. All these stories are written by Mignola, colors by Dave Stewart, and letters by Clem Robbins. And the first one we're, that we're going to talk about is actually called Hellboy in Mexico, or a Drunken Blur, and it was published as a one-shot on May 5th, 2010. The issue was released with two different covers, one by Richard Corbin and a variant by Mike Mignola. This story was published to coincide with Cinco de Mayo, a day to celebrate the culture and experiences of Americans of Mexican ancestry. And the art on this story is by Richard Corbin. All right, we open in 1992 in Mexico. Hellboy and Abe are stranded in Mexico for some reason. Hellboy sits on this locked chest. And his trench coat's torn. I kind of like how Richard Corbin draws Abe. We've never, I don't think we've ever oh, seen yeah, him draw I've never Abe. Seen that. Yeah. It was nice to see Richard Corbin's art pop up again. Yeah, too. we haven't yeah. seen it in a while. I like his tactical shorts. Yeah, he sure does have <laughs> some tactical shorts. Abe is finally able to get through to the Bureau. It will be a couple hours until they get there. Well, what do you want to do, Hellboy asks. I could stand to get out of the sun, Abe responds. They walk towards this abandoned gas station, and Hellboy's dragging this chest behind him. And it starts bumping around like there's something alive inside. You want me to open this thing and make you stop, Hellboy warns, and the case stops. No, I didn't think so. And I don't think they ever show what's in here, yeah, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> I feel like that's like another story that we're going to get some weird right. down what stuff. happened before this. Inside of the abandoned gas station, they find this statue of the Virgin Mary. Often, Mexican cultures practice Catholicism, and Catholics have a special affinity to the Virgin Mary and often see her as the spiritual mother, also the mother of God, the church, and the mystical body of Christ. Mary was also the only other person beside Jesus who bodily assumed into heaven. Well, and I don't know why I know this. This is something that I picked up (laughs) along the way somewhere. Actually, not all christians think this is cool to do because a lot of people look on this as being just another form of paganism 
mm. sort of a thing. And they're like, that's not cool. We don't think paganism is good, even though our God is three separate gods in one God mm. somehow. <laughs> but they are like, no, uh, celebrating or worshiping the Virgin Mary is like worshiping a goddess. And mm. we can't have that. Right. And they see that they see that like saints and, and Mary and all that stuff as being like not cool to do i have no idea the details of this of what branches of catholicism or christianity this right. is or whatever so i don't know any of the details. do you know have any insight on this avery i was raised in a religious denomination okay that really thought that the whole thing with um virgin mary and the saints and yeah even the pope was all idolatry sure sure okay uh, okay yeah. so, interesting yeah i mean it's just like it's just weird i always like wondered why is all these why are these different christians yeah it's very strange and <laughs> so know? like so yeah we're talking about uh there's a you know they're in mexico where they're like oh the the virgin mary we're gonna celebrate the virgin mary right. and all these different saints and all this stuff so it's just a different kind of yeah whatever yeah. And all around the statue, we see images of Mexican wrestlers or luchadores who are traditionally more agile and perform more aerial maneuvers than professional wrestlers in the United States. And they're super, super cool. Yeah. The difference in styles is due to independent evolution of the sport in Mexico beginning in the 1930s. And the fact that luchadores in the cruiserweight division are often the most popular wrestlers in the Mexican lucha libre which literally means free fight. So these cruiserweight division wrestlers are 220 pounds or 100 kilograms or under. Yeah, and they're so, because they can do all the yeah. high flying stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy stuff. I don't know about y'all, but my introduction, like a lot of Americans, uh, like a lot of white Americans, is right. into the world of uh, lucha libre is, was Rey Mysterio. Right, okay. And so yeah. that's how I kind of learned, like, oh, this is a whole thing. They wear these cool masks, yeah. and they do all this awesome high-flying right. cool stuff and, and storylines. and it's So Rey Mysterio, he does that Hurricane Rana. Yeah, man. He does that move, which is a popular luchadora move, and we see that, that move in this story also. He's got the 619. He's got the... <laughs> I don't know what else. I haven't watched it since I was a little kid, so I don't remember... So anyway, we Wait, see. As go I ahead. say, this this bottom picture here, though, that kind of reminded me of Andre the Giant. Yeah, though. it does look like bit. Andre the a Giant, bit. and he was mostly a, in the head. He was <laughs> a popular wrestler in the late 1980s. We also see Demonio Rojo. Yeah. At the foot of the statue, we see a picture of Hellboy and three luchadores, and Abe examines it. Hellboy, he says. Yeah, Hellboy says, looking down, and we kind of see on one of the wrestlers. He has the Sacred Heart tattooed on his chest. That's like this symbol on his chest, and it's the devotion to the Sacred Heart, also known as the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. It's one of the most widely practiced and well-known Roman Catholic devotions. Taking the heart of the resurrected body as a representation of the love of Jesus Christ God, which is his heart pierced on the cross. And in texts of the New Testament, it is revealed to us as God's boundless and passionate love for mankind. So that's the short guy. He's the one with that symbol. Right. So imagine if you're Abe here for a moment. Right. <laughs> you guys just got done with this with this crazy mission, apparently, and you got something locked in a box. You're waiting on BPRD to show up in a couple of hours. You just get out of the sun in this abandoned gas station. In the station, middle of Mexico. In the middle of nowhere in the middle of Mexico. Yeah. And there's a picture of fucking Hellboy with three wrestlers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and you're like, wait, this Hellboy? is you. You're this is you're in this picture. 
It was back in 56, Hellboy says. There was a lot of trouble down this way, and the Bureau sent me down with a couple of new guys, Hendrix and Murphy. Hell, I was pretty new myself back then. And so Abe asks what kind of trouble, and so Hellboy's investigating. Um, he's talking to this woman, and she's telling him that the devil lives in a cave at the center of the earth, and once every hundred years, he blows his stink up through holes in the ground. Then all evil things flock to that stink. It's true. They call down the hole to him and do terrible things to the people for the devil's pleasure in hopes that he will wake up. Hellboy goes and he investigates all this, and he says up till then it was the worst stuff that he'd seen. And Richard Corbin does some really awesome horror panels here. We see, like, you know, just all these dead people and these haunted graves. And some calaveras. Yeah, we see these kind of like the sugar skull image. And we see this guitar player. I guess he's dead, but he's still playing the guitar because it has like that prang, right? Yeah. Like as he's strumming the guitar. Well, I just so thought every, he was wounded. Every hundred years, the devil farts and everyone <laughs> comes around to hang out with the devil farts. Right, to, to, yeah. To smell up the devil fart. To Ew. smell the devil fart. <laughs> That's and so gross. <laughs> Hellboy says the other two agents, Hendrix and Murphy, only lasted a couple of days before they quit and went home. So it's just Hellboy left there. And I really like this transition because it's kind of like it's showing somebody walking up and looking at this dead guitar player. And then when we turn the page, it's Hellboy. He's he's looking at that guitar yeah. player. And he turns around and he sees these three luchadores with the truck. And then in the back, they have a statue of the Virgin Mary. I thought this was such an interesting scene here. He turns around and he looks at him. And then there's this weird mood panel with that evil turkey. Yeah, what? <laughs> I'm sorry, just what you said, evil turkey. <laughs> yeah, that evil turkey is awesome. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I love him. They weren't big talkers, Hellboy says, about the luchadores, and there's just a panel of them all looking at Hellboy. Maybe we'll see this evil turkey. Maybe we'll see. Again later. It took a while, but eventually I got a little bit of their story. They were brothers, and they'd been wrestlers, working the small towns for free meals and drink money. One night, they stopped at a church to say their prayer before the next match, I guess, and they found the priest murdered. And inside the church, something happened. And we see this image of the three luchadores praying over the monk, and there's kind of this light coming down. And there's the statue. That yep. they took in their oh, truck? Oh, right, yeah. There's the statue that they took. I guess they took it with them. They said they'd had a vision. The Virgin Mary told them that trouble was coming and that they should quit wrestling and get ready to fight monsters. They did. And let me tell you, they were good at it. And there's some great panels of them uh, kind of fighting all these monsters. And so Hellboy says that he teamed up with them for a while. See, this is great. This At this point in your video game, you yeah. can team up with some luchadors. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, you know, fight some monsters fight with them for monsters. a little side quest, right? We worked our butts off all day, and at night we partied like there was no hey. tomorrow. Hey, hey and they're drinking, so we're going to take our drinks. Something. Anything that you want to take a shot of. There we go. If it's liquor, Cheers this <laughs> way. if it's juice or whatever. And when tomorrow did come, we did it all over again. And Elboy, Hellboy <laughs> says. They went on like that for a month, and he became friends with this younger brother, the one that has the Sacred Heart tattoo, and the brother is saying here, I love killing monsters, <laughs> and Hellboy's like, so do I. And then in this down in this panel down here, they're saying, grab him, and then he tells Hellboy, you're my best friend. 
Mm-hmm. And Hellboy's like, no, you're my best friend. And they're pretty drunk here. They're drinking. Are we going to take another drink yeah, now? Yeah, we're going to take okay. another drink. I need, a, I need a refill on oh, this okay. one. Put that one in there. No, give me the tequila, Put actually. that one in here. Be careful. All right. So now here's our next drink. Hey, we're, we're drinking here. Ugh. But you can't go on like that forever. Drinking like that, sooner or later, you're going to get sloppy. And I'm probably going to get sloppy on reading all this. <laughs> and That's okay. Cu- I'll help you. Okay. Thank you. We cut to at night, and the younger brother, he gets up, and he goes outside. And when he goes outside, he sees that evil turkey again. Oh, man. What's that evil turkey doing? And he says, who are you? The devil. And all of a sudden, all these monsters kind of jump out. I think these are vampires, right? We're going to learn that these yeah. are all different types of... These are Mexican vampires. So the turkey is El Diablo. Mm-hmm. And... Well, you mean the turkey like the vampire as well? <laughs> yeah, well, this right here, he calls him the devil. He calls yeah. him El Diablo. El Diablo. Yes. And they hear screaming and they all run outside this panel of Hellboy. He's so concerned right here, this top panel, the way yeah. that Corbin draws his face. And they run outside and they scream for the kid, Esteban. That was the kid's name. And so they just find blood out there. They don't find the kid. We looked for him for his body for a couple days. Then we went back to monster hunting. But now it was different. We were different. And you can see how they're like torturing these monsters. Where is yeah. he? They're trying to find him. And they're burning this one right here. Like he's still screaming. You well, know? with the sunlight, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they were vampires, but torture is still torture. And we did a lot of stuff I don't like to think about. And it didn't get us anywhere. If anyone knew anything, they weren't talking. Where do you stand on vampire torture? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really thought about that. <laughs> How do you, what do you stand on that? I guess it just depends on like what kind of I don't know. Yeah, like are we are we talking like Blade? Because like Blade doesn't he Blade, like kill yeah. evil vampires? So no, right. don't torture that guy. But if it's like someone that like eats little kids or whatever, or, like huh. does horrible stuff, then I yeah. want I I want to say that my integrity would preclude me from ever condoning torture under any circumstances. Mm. But I don't know when it comes to like a mystical. Right, like a vampire, like because if we're talking about like the like the Buffy style vampires, some of those vampires are like pretty chill, aren't they? Yeah, or yeah, some of them are. Yeah, yeah, I might have to agree with you on that. Like I normally, I think I would say no to torture, but when we're talking about monsters, are you a monster or are you like a person? Yeah. Right, it's weird. Well, remember the ghoul? We kind of talked about this with the ghoul. Like, right, that guy was just eating dead bodies, right. but like. Hell like obviously harsh the, on him yeah there. yeah and he had like a wife at home they watch like weird hamlet stuff right <laughs> hamlet huh. puppets i forgot about that yeah obviously the torture of animals and people are like a no under any yeah. circumstances yeah. unless you're a nazi in which case i think that's probably like just kill them though <laughs> don't torture them just kill them outright right but but let's well, see i think that's actually kind of where the distinction is i mean killing the monster is one thing but killing getting, the monster is one thing but torturing the monster is right. another yeah. thing that's more about you yeah yeah, interesting. Yeah. And also we found out that torturing to get information does not even work. Nope. So what's the point in you're really just hurting yourself? Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, it's so. just you're taking it's like you're taking pleasure from other people. And that's pain. wrong. Yeah. And it's wrong to hurt people. Just kill them. Yeah. And then one day Hellboy and the other guys they come across this poster 
and it has this luchadora on it. It says Camazots. Camazots. He is waiting for you, Hellboy. Come alone, it says. Damn, Hellboy says. And on the bottom, there's like pinned to it this location. It's like a temple. So in Mayan mythology, Camazots from Mayan was a bat god. Camazots means death bat. In Mesoamerica, awesome. the bat was associated with night, death, and sacrifice. Well, bats aren't really associated with death, though. Like, Well, this is in Mesoamerica cultures. Oh, I see. And we cut to this awesome temple. Corbin does a really good job of this. And we see the Aztec mummy. We're going to get to his story later. But we kind of see him standing there. I like that middle panel. And everybody's chanting camisades. Hellboy goes in. And he finds this kind of wrestling ring. All the kind of dead vampires are around it. They're all looking. And then there's the Aztec mummy. And we see the luchadora camisots sitting in the corner of the ring. I really like this one panel here where where it's before he's walked in and he's got the lights from the truck behind him. Yeah. And just the way that it's drawn and the way that Dave Stewart did the lighting. Once again, really good work. <laughs> really good work. And so Hellboy approaches Camazots and he, he knows that it's Esteban. He says, how are you doing, kid? He says, Esteban, no more. The tattoo, the heart tattoo, has been replaced by a different... Right, so that sacred heart tattoo, it's now a black heart glowing with green fire, and there's like a snake tied around it. Yeah. And so everyone's chanting Camazots. I like this giant bell that they bong. It's kind of like this long bell with all this kind of um, carvings on it. And so they have a really good fight, right? They have their little fight. Camazots smashes the lantern behind Hellboy. And we get right hand of doom, boom, number 29. You asked for it, Hellboy says. And so he throws him across the ring. They do a really good job with him flipping around and doing all yeah. the moves. And on this... I like how that this whole thing is taking place inside of a wrestling ring, inside of a, an ancient yeah. <laughs> Mayan, temple. Mayan temple. Is it an Aztec temple or Mayan temple? I think it's an Aztec because the Aztec mummy is that character that was um, the oh, over the ring. Too. Yeah. Okay. On this page right here, this is where he does that Hurricane Rana move where he kind of like grabs Hellboy with his legs by his head and flips him upside down. I actually was watching a compilation of all these wrestlers doing this. Nice. There's the, John Cena does a very sloppy version of one. That's terrible, I, But I think because yeah. he's too big. He's too big. He's too big. To, so it's he's pretty so cool bulky. to see. It's, it's pretty cool to see him do. He does it for the most part. It looks really, I mean, I couldn't eh, do it. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't have to see that. So anyway, I want to point out this bottom panel. Do you guys remember when we read Sleeping in the Dead, the vampire story that was beautifully drawn by Scott Hampton? Where there was a little girl, they kept that little girl. Do you remember that? Yeah. And the mm-hmm. old man, he told Hellboy when he was telling Hellboy about vampires, he said, And I don't mean those ragged creatures you have in the Americas, I mean the European vampire. And they showed an image of this woman. Oh, right. Oh. It showed an image of this woman that has the hands and the snakes. Interesting. Yeah, so this is the American vampire that he was talking about. I just wanted to make that connection. Right, right, right. Yeah. Just saying, though, that's a little bit of xenophobia on oh, yeah, his sure. part. Well, yeah. For being like, the European and rice vampires very <laughs> superior to the Mexican vampire. But, like, they're all crap, so. And Hellboy's been, <laughs> Hellboy's been uh, knocked out pretty much on the ground. He tries to get up, and 
Kamazot says, I trusted you. You see what they did to me? And he pulls off his mask and he reveals he has a bat head. What'd you guys think of that? Yeah. Okay. Um, sure. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you weren't there. And he continues to beat Hellboy. And Hellboy's just kind of left on the ground. I'm sorry, kid. You were right. I should have been there for you. And Hellboy kind of takes a swing at him with the right hand of doom. Well, he's got gigantic bat wings. Yeah. He flies up. He kind of dodges that punch and he kicks Hellboy. He's transformed completely into a gigantic bat at yeah. this point. Yep. That is so awesome. That would be a good gimmick. In, in the before yeah the, for wrestlers in, in, just oh yeah just turn into a giant bat i mean i don't know why someone hasn't done that yet and hellboy says uh i should have been there for you screw that i'm here now it was the only thing i could do for him but that didn't make me feel any better about doing it and hellboy impales esteban on this this pike like i guess on the corner oh it was where That's that lantern sad, was yeah. right yeah and he thanks him as he's dying. He turns back into his regular self. It's usually the turn, the turn buckle. Oh yeah, that's what but it is. But they put some stuff on there. Well, I think that lantern was on there. Remember? Yeah, he but smashed there's it? usually not because you have to climb up on there. Right. Yeah. Back with Hellboy talking to Abe, we buried him in a little church not far from here. The brothers took off after that. I never saw them again. It's a terrible story, Abe says. I went back to drinking. I don't really remember what happened after that. A few months later, a couple agents found me blacked out in a bar in Morales. And I like how these agents are just looking at him. He's all drunk there. And he's got the sombrero, right? And he's got a poncho. And yeah. yeah. And that was it. The professor was pretty mad at me for a while, Hellboy says. I'll bet, Abe says. But the killing stopped, so there you go. So there you go. You really don't remember what you were doing those last few months, Abe asks? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I don't want to know. And they kind of get in the helicopter and leave. And we cut to this theater. There's a movie theater. It kind of reminded me of the beginning of... I was about to say... Double Feature yeah. of Evil. Yeah. yeah. And we go in there. We see these Mexican movie posters. There's a Lobster Johnson one. Yeah. It says The Mask of the Dead. Where he's got the... Uh... He's got the claw on his chest. Yeah, it's the Mexican <laughs> version that we saw in that Guy Davis... Um, those little Guy Davis shorts at the end of the Iron Prometheus issues. And all these little boys, they're watching these luchadoras fight. It says Guadalajara, August 3rd, 1956. And one of them's Hellboy, right? Or is it a guy dressed like Hellboy? No, it's Hellboy for sure. Because yeah. he's got the horns. Yeah. And it's he's got a weird Lego man head. And they're all like, <laughs> Hellboy. They're all uh, cheering for him. And he's fighting this like leopard guy or something like that. It's great. It's really good. And that's how the story ends. We're looking at this in the omnibus. But if you actually have the trade, Hellboy in Mexico, which collects all these stories, Mignola has some great little afterwards of every story. He writes, back in 2004, I did a drawing of Hellboy standing over some dead monsters with his arm around a Mexican wrestler. Hmm. I did it just for the fun and for some reason wrote Palenque, Mexico, June 2nd, 1956 on it, establishing apparently that there was a period of Hellboy's life that I knew nothing about. Eventually, we used this piece as an illustration in Hellboy the Companion, and while writing up an outline of Hellboy's life for that book, I came up with the idea of his lost weekend a five-month blur of drinking with wrestlers and fighting monsters. I hadn't intended to write any actual stories set during that drunken blur, but this just sort of happened and got the whole ball rolling. There is something I find very appealing about Hellboy wandering around Mexico. 
Kamazots is a Mayan bat god, and that woman with the necklace of human hands and the rattlesnakes is somebody. But I can't remember who, and I can't find my notes. While doing my research, I did find a reference to a Mexican vampire's ability to turn into a turkey. I put that in the plot, but told Richard he was free to change it into something more ominous, like a vulture. But in the end, he manages to create a surprisingly ominous turkey. I have to confess that I don't really know anything about Mexican wrestlers. I've never seen any of the movies, but I sure like the idea of them. Yeah. yeah. So that's his, uh, that's his afterword for that. Vampires turning into turkeys really needs to happen in a movie. <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, speaking and, and, of... And not be funny, be like scary as right. shit. <laughs> turkeys are... Okay, okay. If you've never been chased <laughs> by a turkey... I can understand how you would not be scared of them. They, I love birds right. of all kinds, and I love turkeys. I think they're very cute when they're over there. <laughs> but you don't want a turkey chasing after you because they're gigantic. They're huge. And it's interesting that you said you want to see that in a movie. So um, some of this Hellboy in Mexico stuff is supposed to be in the movie. There's been some uh. like, you know, allusions to some of these story elements that people are finding in the trailers. I also wanted to say, so they did that Kickstarter for the Hellboy game, and one of the stretch goals was the turkey, ah. and it met it met the stretch goal. So nice. yeah, we'll be getting that evil little turkey as one of the characters. Next, we're going to talk about Hellboy versus the Aztec Mummy. This is a short story published in December 2011 in Dark Horse Presents number seven, and we get some art by Mignola. Yay! Yeah, it was a nice surprise. It is well, not really, but I mean. Surprise! But it's just yeah, good to see his still, art again on a Hellboy story. It is always story. a nice surprise. You're yeah. like, oh, you turn the page out, oh, it's Mignola. Exactly. That's exactly what I meant. It recaps that Hellboy's in Mexico. Nobody really knows what happened, but there's this one Mexican wrestler, the Blue Fury. He's interviewed by BPRD agent Pauline Raskin. Remember we met yeah. Pauline Raskin? It's all true. He told it all to me before he became too drunk to remember, he says. <laughs> and so we see Hellboy... He's kind of going down this dark alley. He's looking around. He reaches for his gun. And this kind of, the Aztec mummy pops up. So this is the same character that we saw at the wrestling ring in the last episode. So it's a mummy that has a an Aztec mask. Yeah. Okay. But he turns into the bat. Turns into a giant bat. Yeah. And so Hellboy's fighting him. And a lot of this is just a good couple panels of action. I really like Mignola's bat, this giant bat, picking up Hellboy and dropping him in this church. Hellboy falls through the roof, and it gives Mignola a good chance to draw all these cool like re- reliefs of saints and all this kind of stuff. Hellboy lands, and he hears a voice. Hellboy. Uh, that's okay. I was just leaving. Yikes. And he walks out of the church. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. I like that little yikes. He goes back outside into the graveyard. All right, you bastard. Where the hell are you? Why don't you? And the bat comes down at him. And then from below, all these skeletons come out of the ground, out of their graves, and they're grabbing at Hellboy. What What are they? Skeletons. some skeletons. (laughs) You see, my people still know me, the bat says. Even to the dry marrow of their bones, they remember who gave them corn. Quetzalcoatl. And Quetzalcoatl is a feathered serpent or plume serpent. It's the name of this ancient deity of Mesoamerican culture. 
In Mesoamerican myth, Quetzalcoatl is also a mythical culture hero for whom almost all Mesoamerican peoples claim descent. And as Hellboy's fighting him, I like how he grabs this one skeleton's arm. He's like, give me that. And he just smacks the bat with it. It's really good. I just love how Hellboy just reach out and grab anything. Yeah. And smack you with it. You know, piece of sign, piece of broken sword. Right. This dude's arm. (laughs) Goddamn thing, he says. And he smashes the Aztec mummy's mask. He smashes his head. And out of the head, a little snake comes out. Come here, you. And Hellboy grabs the snake. And as soon as he grabs it, he <laughs> sees this image, right? Is that Quetzalcoatl? This page is awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And it tells him like this crazy language. And Hellboy's just like, holy crap. And he falls back. Uh, but it's a really awesome page. Yeah, this page is really impressive. I like that a lot. Yeah. And then at the at the end... We see the grave site, and we see Hellboy just laying there with some bottles. So he's just been drinking there <laughs> after all this happened. And there's this these two giant word bubbles, right? Are we drinking here? Is this does this count as drinking since Hellboy's got the bottles there? Ah, let's, ah, let's do it. Day. Yeah, it's like watching the Wonder Twins get you know activate their powers. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. So then they're talking about. Uh, my grandmother told us that when the Spanish came to Mexico, Quetzalcoatl went to live inside the head of the high priest and took with him his great enemy, Tezcatilopa. Thank you for that, Tezcatilopa. Since then, ever so often, that priest comes out of his grave to wander the countryside. Sometimes he breathes out poison and makes the land for miles around like a desert. Other times, he causes rain to fall and new crops to grow, and we all like that story very much. And this is an interview with Jorge Cordona, interviewed by the BPRD, and we also get uh, Professor O'Donnell. Professor O'Donnell. When I started reading that one, I was like, man, this guy sounds like O'Donnell. And it was like, it is O'Donnell. Yeah. It is O'Donnell, yeah, man. Strangely enough, this story is quite possibly true, he says. The entire pantheon of Mesoamerica god monsters were, of course, actually Ogdraham's spirit years before the first dinosaur blood rituals performed by the Toltecs allowed these entities to briefly assume physical form and interact with those people. A complete record of those interactions, along with a true story of the origin of life on this planet, was passed down to the Aztecs inscribed on three gold tablets. Unfortunately, when Cortes looted the Aztec capital, Tenochtitlan, in 1521, they were discovered and melted down into gold bars. Those bars were sent back to Spain and sometimes later magically disappeared. And as we end, we get this awesome kind of like statue of Quetzalcoatl and then all the like stars behind it. I really love that panel. It's really nice. And so Mignola wrote on this one, this was actually the third Hellboy in Mexico story I came up with. After plotting House of the Living Dead, which is the last story in this collection, I started playing with the idea of shorter stories to fill out a little of Hellboy's five-month drunken blur, as I had originally planned to draw the first two stories myself before giving them to Richard Corbin. I thought I should really draw this one. The Aztec mummy character appeared very briefly in Hellboy in Mexico, And it seemed reasonable to me that Hellboy would try to track him down. But really, this was mostly an excuse to draw Hellboy fighting a giant bat and a whole lot of mummies. Uh Both Quetzalcoatl and Tezcatlipoca were important gods in the Aztec religion. 
but I made up that bit about them hiding out together inside a dead guy's head. The gigantic word balloons on the last page of the story were all my idea, so don't blame my long-suffering editor. I just thought they were funny. (laughs) Yeah, so that was really good, and now we're going to read Hellboy Gets Married. Before we go on, I wanted to say about those two long-ass word bubbles. Yeah. (laughs) When I saw that pop up, I was like, But then when I read it, I was like, oh. That was nice. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised at how unwordy those wordy word bubbles were. Right, yeah. It really, it really worked out well. And I just like the idea that they were, these monsters were Ogdruhem and all the He ties it into oh, the yeah. BPRD mythology and all that good stuff. Yeah, totally agree there. Totally agree. So we're going to read Hellboy Gets Married. This is a two-part story published in Dark Horse Presents number 31 and 32. And the art is by Mick McHannon. We open on this theater, and we see a sign that has a Mexican version of Lobster Johnson live and in person. And yeah, we read about this version in those article pieces at the end of each issue of Lobster Johnson, the Iron Prometheus. Is he drinking with the the, the Mexican Lobster Johnson? He right? sure drinking. is, yes. Take All a drink. Right. Everybody take a drink. Yeah, so Hellboy and the Lobster drink. How cool must this be for Hellboy? He was always a big fan of the lobster, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I like that his mask is a big claw. Yeah. And he's telling the lobster about the original lobster. Right. And it kind of reminded me of the Midnight Circus where little Hellboy is talking to that lady that was taking care of him. And he's like, and the lobster did this. Yeah. And, then he was, and that's kind of what Hellboy's doing here. Anyway. The Lobster tells Hellboy that he should be an actor. Yeah, this artist is really interesting. We were just talking about this. Uh, kind of looks animated. It kind of looks like a cartoon or something, yeah. like an animated thing. It's very stylized. I mean, like this one panel right here could, you know, exist in like the, the Batman animated, you know, world. Right, where, it's, where he's saying not anymore. Yeah. This group approach, these guys and a woman, one of these guys has a guitar Aren't those actually uh, mariachis? They yeah, have, they, they probably have are. Yeah, Hanson. Yeah, stuff. they have all the outfits yeah. of mariachis, and the lobster isn't too happy to see them. He tells them to go away. So this one guy, he says he only meant to invite them, and Hellboy looks at this woman. She says yes, and he just gets up right. And the next panel, he just stands up and starts following her. Uh, I like the way that the interaction between the the guy and the Mexican lobster Johnson. He's like. Uh, I admit no offense, and yet you offended me. Yeah. (laughs) Very (laughs) wrestler-esque. Yeah. Even more, though, the way he says it is, and yet you offend me. Oh, yes, yes, yes. As not that it's taking place in the past, that you are currently (laughs) offending me. So you offend me in general. (sighs) The very idea of you is offensive. I love this. And as Hellboy is following off with this group, the lobster tells Hellboy that he's making a mistake. And this woman, she kind of holds onto Hellboy's arm, and this guy sings a Spanish ballad. It's called Death and the Lover. I like that song, Hellboy says. You're a romantic, I think, the woman says. Maybe, Hellboy responds. And what was this thing with the dog? Like, are they in front of it, and then all of a sudden they're behind it? Is that what happened in that bottom panel with that There's like a dog barking at them as they approach. Well, I think that he gets scared. He's barking oh, and he's real, you know, showing off, I'm tough. And then they get closer and he realizes 
Right. Oh, this some something fucked up's going on with these right. people. Maybe I should chill the fuck out. So I mean, like, it, there's this thing about how animals can tell, right? If you're a demon or a goblin or a ghost or a whatever. Yeah, that makes total sense. So. And then also, this old lady, she kind of does the same thing. She closes her window and she lights a candle and starts praying. Well, I kind of don't think the dog was barking because it was trying to be tough. I think the dog was barking to tell you to go away. I have, you know, three dogs, and they're always barking at things that scare right. them. And they always bark all big and tough. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly yeah, what yeah. I said. Yeah. Yeah. I learned from Caesar that <laughs> dogs are showing aggression because they they're feeling insecure or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, like they're far away. He's barking the way that he would at anyone else, and then realizes, oh, they're like something weird about these people, and so he stops barking. And then, like you said, like the old woman. Right. She's like, oh, fuck this. I'm not. No. And then so the other guy was like, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't deal with these people. But if he knew there was something weird about these people, why didn't he just be like, why didn't he, why didn't he just say, no, Hellboy, there's something weird about these people. Right. You should not go with them because yeah. it's weird. And they end up at this like weird little chill out spot. They're all kind of hanging out and they're drinking. And they're drinking. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to take a drink of my beer. <laughs> of yours. Cerveza. Yeah. There you go. Still working on this bottle of Johnny Walker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And here the guy sings another Spanish ballad, The Dream of King Don Rodrigo. I couldn't find much about that Spanish ballad, but it seems like he's talking about a king that wakes up to find his kingdom doomed by love led astray. And this woman, she's, as she's listening, she says, please, I pray you. And she kind of turns away. Hellboy asks if she's okay. It is not so, she says, my king, my love. And she kisses Hellboy on the cheek. I really like this panel as she kisses him on the cheek. The expression on his face is really cute. And then it cuts to them getting married. The next page is they're in a church getting married. (laughs) All of the other mariachis that were with this woman watch. In this life and after, the priest says, bound to you for all time. And the woman, she puts a gold band with green jewels on Hellboy's finger. We cut to this house, and Hellboy wakes up in bed. He sees the woman standing on a balcony across the room. Oh, hey, kid. What are you doing out? And he looks out, and he remembers the wedding scene. But now it's all evil. Ah, That's pretty sweet uh, panel, though. yeah, Yeah, these guys look like evil conquistadors, and the priest is another creepy skeleton. He's a skeleton. And there's this, like, scary shape behind them, like this big kind of monster. I like how the the book is now a weird demon book, and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. The colors are all evil times. (laughs) Well, like you were saying, in the background is some weird... Super cool looking though. I like it a lot. Yeah, and in the sketchbook, if you have the trade paperback Hellboy in Mexico, the pencils for this page are in there, included in there, and they're awesome. They're I also like the uh, the demon that's like looking out the panel, kind of looking through the fourth wall, like looking at you, like yeah, it's evil time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hellboy remembers all of this in in an instant, and he's like, oh crap. He looks at the wedding band, and it's a snake hissing at him. Well, that's not good, he says. You swore an oath, the snake says. Screw that, I want a divorce, Hellboy says. And the woman, red-eyed, she launches herself at Hellboy. Is she a vampire, right? Is she one of these vampires? I guess she's a vampire. As she jumps at him, Hellboy says, I gotta stop drinking. And he pulls his gun 
Lady, I don't want to, he says. Sorry, and he shoots her. And she falls to the ground, but she's still alive, and he's just like, gotta go. Go where? You cannot escape, she says. And Hellboy just kind of jumps off the balcony. You swore an oath, the snake on his finger says. And Hellboy kind of shakes it off his hand. He's like, get off. We'll see about that, Hellboy says. And the snake slithers off. The snake slither. Oh, I'm getting right. I'm all slurring my. The snake slithers. Oh, my God. Why can't I say that? Too many S's. The snake slithers off. There you go. And it says forever. Hellboy hears the woman calling. And suddenly he's surrounded by all the other mariachi guys. But now they're in this like conquistador outfits, right? Yeah. And they have a standoff for a bit. And we get a fight scene. And we get right hand of doom boom number 30. And Hellboy gets this guy's sword too. So now we see him fighting with a sword. Now that we've read the wild hunt and all that. You know what I mean? We know that like all this stuff with uh, Excalibur. Wait, so that was right hand of boom... 30? Yes. And isn't this the 30th episode? Whoa! <laughs> you just blew my mind. That's right. Yeah, number 30 on 30. That's great. Yeah. I'm going to drink to that one. <laughs> <laughs> and we get some really good action beats. We also hear another Spanish ballad. This one's called Pale Maiden. And the woman, she grows wings and she flies out into the action. And Hellboy has kind of like this joust thing with this guy. He's charging at him on a horse with his spear. And so they both get stabbed. Hellboy takes the spear out and then he stabs the woman also. I like how it looks like he stabbed the sword through the horse's neck into the undead cranky store. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, that's really good. And yeah, I'm explaining this, but it really happens over like three pages of it's really well paced as all this is happening. <laughs> right. So it, it, I, I kind of like this bottom, the bottom of this panel kind of Hellboy turns and their faces meet really close. And then they reveal that Hellboy stabbed her through. You know what I mean? And then she disintegrates into a skeleton. Yeah. She says, ah, my king, husband, in this life and after. And then the last panel is this snake like, well, that's all, folks. Right. It's a very, <laughs> he's smiling and. Well, that snake is still there. Yeah. Yeah, it's still he's there like, as Hellboy walks off. He, I love the expression on the snake's face. He's <laughs> like all happy and truly. Hey, guys. The end. Yep. <laughs> oh, that just made me think of the Looney Tunes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mignola says, I don't know when I first discovered Mick McHannon's work. Maybe it was Slain or Judge Dredd, or maybe The Last American, published by Epic Comics. I can't remember now, but I know I was a fan of his work as soon as I saw it. So I was stunned and excited when I heard that he was interested in doing a Hellboy story. I thought a story set during the drunken blur would give him the most room to do something crazy. Though I had no idea for an actual story, I asked Mick what he wanted to do, and he sent me a bunch of different suggestions, my favorite being... Hellboy gets drunk and marries dot 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 something. <laughs> the songs that run through the story are very loosely adapted from the grim old Spanish ballads, Death and the Lover, The Dream of King Don Rodrigo, The Penance of King Don Rodrigo, and O Pale Maiden. I thought Hellboy having a wife or ex-wife was a fun idea that would begin and end here, but as is so often the case, these things tend to take on a life of their own, so who knows? 
I tried to look for recordings of these Spanish ballads. I wanted to try and right. see if I could find them. I really couldn't. I was really disappointed. So if anyone knows where I can get a recording of any of those ballads, I would love to cut them into the episode or cut them into a future episode. Oh, yeah, because I was actually about to ask you, are you going to cut these into the episode? No, I couldn't find recordings of them. Next, we're going to talk about The Coffin Man. The Coffin Man was one of the two new stories created for the Hellboy 20th Anniversary Sampler, which came out on Hellboy Day, March 22nd, 2014. And the art on this one is by Fabio Moon. We open in a bar. Hellboy is drinking with these damn guys. These These damn damn guys. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hellboy's telling these guys about the events of the previous story, how he ended up married, and I like Moon, how he does these panels from that previous story, like the ring and all that. I, I like how those are done. Senor, we have all been there, the guy says. And his friend orders another bottle. <laughs> this little girl runs wait, in. Wait, I like how he's like, we've all been there. He's like, we've all gotten married. <laughs> yeah. Even in the church. <laughs> it happens to everybody. Hopefully. Yes. This little girl runs in. Her uncle just died. And she says, the coffin man has him. And Hellboy's like, who? Don't, senor. There's nothing to be done, this one guy says. Please, a little girl begs. So Hellboy decides to come along. I like how Hellboy's like, you know, any kind of trouble, he like pops up. Trouble? All yeah. Around the way. Yeah, he gets up and he's immediately ready to spring into action. Yeah. Even, yeah. even if he's drunk, he's just like, trouble. Let's do this shit. <laughs> We should probably talk a little bit about Moon's pencils too. It's a really cool style, I it's think, a really for Hellboy. Style, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I really like how he draws Hellboy. It's just very—he um, does like Hellboy's emotions really well. Yeah. I don't know how to just—I don't know how to say that. The expressions. Yeah. Please, the little girl begs. So Hellboy comes along. Come back. He's a brujo. The guys yell. And a brujo is a Mexican-Spanish shaman or sorcerer, usually associated with black magic. And, you know, alternatively, you can have a, a bruja as sure. well, which yeah. is, you know, it's it's basically just a, another way of saying so that someone's a witch, which, right. which they explain here in the story. The girl leads Hellboy to a church cemetery, and she talks about the coffin man. Sometimes he comes to steal the bodies. I loved my uncle very much, and I didn't want the coffin man to get him, so I came to watch the grave. Mama and Papa said I shouldn't. They think I'm sleeping. And Hellboy comes on, and they kind of look, and they see all the crosses have been knocked down on the tombstones in the cemetery. He does that, the girl says, breaks the crosses. He's very, very bad. And he already had my uncle when I got here. And Hellboy looks over and he sees this man in a sombrero. And there's like a donkey and he's loading something into this cart. Okay, you be good, girl, Hellboy says. You run home now. I'll handle this. There's even like a lid of a coffin next to the um, cart. Oh, yeah, you're right. You can see that down there. We see the coffin man here. He has his donkey pulling the cart, and he's got a body in the cart, and he's painting a symbol on the chest with his finger, right? That's weird. Hey, jerk. Hellboy confronts him, and the coffin man turns, and when he turns, you see he has two pupils in his eye. Mm. I guess. And he comes, and he jumps over Hellboy. Eyes eyes balls. Yeah. I love how Hellboy always, he's like, you know, hey. Jerk. I mean, it's just, <laughs> That's his introduction. He doesn't have. He, he's not very eloquent. He just like gets straight to the point. <laughs> to the point. Yeah. Oh yeah. uh, man, 
He'd be fun to drink with. On the next page here, he would be fun to drink with. On the next page here, the donkey starts doing something that's very brave star. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. is that? What is what is the 3030 30, 30 30 from 30. the popular cartoon for yeah. the popular to me cartoon Brave Star from oh. the The heart of 80. a ghost, the ears of a bear. Holy Brave Star. That's not how it goes. Is that not how it goes? <laughs> I honestly thought nobody knew what Brave Star was, and you guys just fucking popped that shit out. Man, out. I love Brave Star. Oh, forget when you man. see something let's like that. Let's drink to that. Brave Star in New Texas. <laughs> New Texas. I forgot about that. All right. Anyway. But so yeah, he's I love a, and he's Star. a vulture now. The, he's a vulture. Yeah, we get this awesome panel. The coffin man turned into a vulture, and the donkey is starting to turn into like a man donkey or it's coming up into this monster form donkey man savage monster donkey is what i put here in my notes <laughs> fool leave me to my work tend to the living the den belong to me the coffin man says oh yeah hellboy says guess we'll see about that and hellboy's like geez as this giant monster donkey comes at him Sit down, donkey, he yells as they start fighting. And while all this is happening, the uncle that the coffin man painted that symbol on, he gets out of the coffin and starts running off. Yeah. The donkey grabs Hellboy and bashes him around. And I really like these panels. Moon does a really good job. And the color is like in these panels where they're fighting. It's like a red tinted. Yeah. I really like that. Heard him gurgle, the coffin man says in his vulture form. But try not to kill him. There is something interesting about this one. So I guess the donkey's name is Gurgo. And I tried to find a reference for that. I couldn't find anything. Hellboy gets up at and charges at the donkey. And then it just cuts to black, right? And then he wakes up in a cactus. That <laughs> looks very uncomfortable. He's all like twisted around in there senor my uncle the little girl says sorry kid he got away hellboy says and we end with the her uncle Tio's just her tio's just chilling on a yeah cliff he's somewhere. just sitting on a, on a cliffside just looking out that's a very poignant yeah it's just very nice i don't know it's a very uh i like the way this story ends but then there's the rematch so the Coffin Man 2 appeared in... <laughs> I the twi- called it the Coffin Man 2, the rematch. Yeah, and it appeared in the 200th issue of Dark Horse Presents, and the art in this one is by Gabriel Ba. And Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon, the artist on the previous story, are brothers. Interesting. So, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, Moon is really popular for his Casanova series, and Ba is really popular for the Umbrella Academy, which just became oh. a Netflix series. Yeah, he's the artist on that. I want to I wanna this, see that. This so, guy's style is as though he, he smashed his brother's style yeah. together with Mignola's style. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. And... I think it's just really cool that Mignola was like, you know what? I like these two artists. Sure. Let's do one half of the story sure. with one and one yeah. half of the story with the other that's one. Great. So I just think that's awesome. Hellboy is with this woman somewhere in Mexico and he's drinking. Hey, I need a, I need another drink. Eat I here. Put a, what about this one? Yeah, let's do a vodka this time. Give me that glass. I'm starting to think this is a terrible idea. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, uh, we'll make it through. Here, I'll just, I'll have these with you. I'll go have these. Where's mine? 
I'm trying to hand it over. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Danielle tried to hand me my shot, and Aubrey cheered her. <laughs> that was great. Wait, what uh, What are some cheerses in languages that we don't are speaking? We're speaking English now, but there's all kinds of ways to say yeah. cheers. How about you, John? I like Nasvrati. Nasvrati. What about you? Uh, just go. Aubrey. I don't have one. You don't have one? <laughs> How about uh, over the lips, past the tongue, watch out stomach, here we come? <laughs> there's there's, there's slancha. What about that one? Sure, there what you go. What about uh, prost? Good job. Scold. Uh, Gombe. You, you got it. What about that? What about it, guys? How do y'all like to say cheers? Give us a give us a hey damn guys. Give us a <laughs> shout. Give us a Facebook thing and uh, say hey guys. Here's how we cheers it. Cheers hey it damn up. cheers. Yeah. So this woman she tells Hellboy, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Watching Fresh Graves. Nope, I've spent every night the last two weeks sitting oh, in these graveyards. Oh, there we graveyards. go. Sorry. Ha <laughs> ha. All right, great. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent every night the last two weeks sitting in graveyards, watching Fresh Graves, waiting for that son of a bitch to show up. I'm tired of it, Hellboy says. If he won't come to me, then I'll go to him. I wonder how different the story would have been if he said, I'm tired of it. I'm out of here. Right. I'm, go- I'm going home. <laughs> I'm tired of this shit. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to bed. First you pay, the woman says, and so Hellboy hands her these coins. I just really like this panel of their of the coins passing between the hands. I don't know. There's something about that panel yeah. I really enjoy. Most living men pray they never see the coffin man, the woman says. The dead, do they pray? I don't know, but if they do, they pray he passes them by. I've got a score to settle with him and his donkey, Hellboy says. <laughs> They say no one ever sees his house because it is in hell. But see, there it is. And so she's performing some magic, I guess. And I really love right, this effect, yeah. right? I was As just like, about to say that, yeah. It's like kind of like, uh, it's almost like way. a spotlight is coming down and it's illuminating this one area where the house is. Yeah, and it's kind of almost like there's like a magical shimmer, like a... A sheen yeah. to it, like there's a. Oh, I like that. It makes yeah. me think of annihilation, sure. right? The shimmer, right? Yeah, yeah. it makes Ooh. me think of like there's a there's a magical. I haven't seen that one. Kind of a, but yeah, you gotta see it. Okay, good. It's very, I want to. I want to. <laughs> sorry, we're no, okay. we're too drunk and we're having another <laughs> conversation over here. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's funny though. I keep say... listening to you and the shimmer and. The it's just very well illustrated. That's all. Only I can do this, the woman says, because I know his true name, his name when he was just a man. That was long ago. This theme keeps coming up about oh, yeah. when you know someone's I true like name, yep. you can have power over them. And she even offers Hellboy to tell her. Do you to want tell his him, name? Yeah. yeah. It, it will cause you extra, she says. He just walks off and doesn't yeah. respond, which I think is a little rude, but he is drunk, so I don't know. Yeah, he's holding a bottle as he walks off, and she says, well, good luck to you, senor. I think we will never see you again. And Hellboy approaches, and there's this interior, and just the amount Super of detail. Detailed, yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. You know, Bod does a really good job. And you can, yeah. uh, there's the vulture guy. Right yeah, up there. the vulture is there, and Hellboy looks in, and he sees this uh, sombrero wearing man in front of a fireplace. And so he thinks that's the coffin man. He's like, All right. Hey, you, coffin man, where's your donkey now, pal? guess it's just you and me so why don't you 
and then the hand drops the coins and we reveal it's the woman. It's the woman, right? yeah. Right, and she's dead. And she's just in the poncho and the sombrero. And from behind, the vulture says, the witch should have known better than to lead anyone to my house. I had to punish her for that. I like the um, the way the vulture is flying down off the bookcase. Yeah. I know it's just a small mm-hmm. thing, but that detail to me is really awesome. It it really implies a lot of movement. Like it's, you can see right. it moving. So it's very, I don't know. It's I like the way that he did that. You can tell that he actually... Spent a little bit yeah. of time looking at the way birds move and how vultures fly and what happens to their bodies when it, they're taking off. Yeah, exactly. To kind of go a step further, the way it lands on the chair and then it turns and looks at Hellboy in the next panel, Yeah, I yeah. think is very kind of, it evokes a very, you know, we have birds and yeah. so we see a lot of, we can, we, exactly. you, you can kind of see the bird behaviors in there. So like we kind of can see this, It he just shows a very good... Uh, a, a lot of very good postures to imply movement, whereas I'll see some drawings of birds and I'm like, that's not even how they move. And it's just very, it takes you out of the story. Whereas when I'm reading this, I, um, I'm very, it just, it really enriches it a lot. I right. think. So I, I really appreciate that. And I, I think a lot of artists who don't draw realistically or sem- even semi-realistically, I think they get a lot of they catch a lot of flack. They get a lot of hate right. because they're oh, they're not real artists because they draw like a cartoon style. But like, it takes a lot of skill, yeah, to do storytelling in a style that's not realistic. I think it takes a lot of skill because you're still you still have to imply you have to imply movement and behavior, right, in a style that's maybe a a little bit different than the mainstream acceptable. You know what I'm trying right. to say? The I can't, style or yeah, whatever very, we were just talking so about. I think that. it's like animation and and styles like this really get a lot of, uh, get a bad rap. But yeah. I think it's great. Anyway. And Hellboy says, you killed her. The coffin man says, I'll bring her back like all the others. And when I do and she's mine, maybe I'll keep her. But you, I've been waiting to see you again. When we met before, I didn't recognize you. I knew there was something... But really, how could I look at you? And Hellboy's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Still, even though it would almost certainly destroy me, the coffin man says, I would love to see my magic pitted against yours. What would that be like? And he kind of turns back into a man. Screw that, Hellboy says. I don't use magic. Of course you don't. How could you? The coffin man asks. Drunk and stupid as you are now. I wouldn't trade you for poor old Gurgo who pulls my cart. And you can see in this like little illustration, he's got the two pupils. Yeah, and on the next page as well. Yeah. That's about enough out of you, Hellboy says. (laughs) And he charges at him with the right hand of doom. And the coffin man says, and there it is, the hand. And all you use it for is hammering nails and breaking bones. You are the mountain that tries so desperately to be the molehill. You should be a lion. But instead, and there's like this boom, and the house kind of, there's like this flash of light on the house. Eyes, balls. But instead, and this monkey comes out of the house. He's got the right hand of doom. And it's got the right hand of doom on it. Yeah. And and his belt. And his belt. Yeah, and it just kind of falls to the ground. This is hilarious, but the monkey should have been red. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying. I wonder, is it even possible for you to grow into the thing you are meant to be? 
And it's the same thing, but it's Hellboy instead of the monkey, right? And Hellboy wakes up. Ugh. Where the hell are my pants? Not in this lifetime, I think. And Hellboy just says crap, and he looks over. There's a coffin with a bottle sitting on top of it. Waking up in the desert with no pants. Yeah. The end. We've all been there. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Mignola writes, Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba are twins, and they are brilliant. Their artwork is very similar in some ways, very different in others. This similar but different thing worked perfectly when they collaborated on the BPRD 1947 series, which we're going to get to. But I thought it would be fun to see them do separate stories back-to-back, stories that would be related but would each stand alone. I may have had some rough idea for this one floating around in my head for a while, but it only really came together once Fabio and Gabriel signed on. The Coffin Man himself was inspired by the main character in the Brazilian Joe Coffin film series. I don't know that they are actually similar at all. I've never seen any of those films, but I like the sound of them. And so I actually looked up these Coffin Joe movies. Coffin Joe is a character created by Jose Mojica Marines in 1963 for the film At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. The character went on to appear in many more films, and as it gained popularity, the Coffin Joe persona appeared in television programs, songs, music videos, and comic books. Coffin Joe wears a black suit, a cape, and a top hat. His most notable features are his grotesquely long, curled fingernails. And Marines, the guy who played him and created him, grew his fingernails several inches long for the role, always wearing them in public in the style of the character. Coffin Joe is an evil, immoral character who considers himself superior to others and exploits them to suit his purposes. For one thing, it would take like decades to grow your nails. Yeah. So definitely they were prosthetics, but I admire, (laughs) I I admire the, uh, the commitment to the story there. How long did he play the role though for? I don't know. It was for a couple years. There was a series of movies and it was like his most popular thing or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Prosthetics then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Mignola says, I did the research on the Brujo, Mexican witch or warlock, and I found that bit about the broken crosses and the funky eye. Though technically, I believe the double pupil is supposed to be in the left eye. That bit at the end of the rematch was supposed to be a lizard, but neither Gabriel nor I could figure out how to attach that stone hand to a lizard. <laughs> okay, so um, the whole double pupil thing... I didn't really notice it when I was my initial read through, and then when you pointed it out, now I can't unsee it, right. and it's very unsettling. Eyes balls. And so Gabriel Ba, he did a cover for that Dark Horse Presents two hundred, where the Coffin Man to the rematch appeared, and he says in the sketchbook, Mike makes composition covers look so easy like everything he does, but they're actually very hard. I realized I needed a better vulture, more three-dimensional, something I could use to play with the shadows a little more. So um, I just really like that note, how he talked about that. And if you're looking at this in the short stories, Omnibus Like We Are, this, um, this picture of Hellboy and the Luchadore, this is the one that he was talking about that yeah. started this whole idea. Yeah. yeah. I was about to ask that because, like, you know, I, I didn't have that information. So I saw this, like, cool cover and then I went on. But 
now I stop and see that, and I'm like, oh, shit, is this the one? Yeah, <laughs> so he drew that, and then he just wrote that at the bottom, and I guess that was the whole thing. You know, they decided to come back and flesh out these stories, so really cool, really, and really cool image also. There's um, there's a print of this floating around. I, I don't have it. I really want this print, though. All right, so the last story in the Hellboy in Mexico trade is House of the Living Dead. House of the Living Dead was the first Hellboy original graphic novel. The story was first published in a hardcover format in November 2011. It is collected in the Hellboy Mexico trade paperback. And on the back cover of the hardback, it says that the story takes place in 1952, but apparently this is a mistake. And I I have the hardback, and what I really like is... In the front of it, it has these really beautiful Mignola images right here. Um, so if you have the hardback, you can check that out. And there's also an inscription in the front. It says, For Boris Karloff, the mad scientist, Glenn Strange, the monster, John Carradine, the skinny Dracula, and Lon Chaney Jr., the always sad wolfman. This book is an affectionate nod to the universal sort of terrible, but if you grew up with them, they will always be great. House of Dracula and House of Frankenstein. Also, I guess for all those Mexican wrestler versus monster movies, such as Santo versus La Mujeres Vampiro, I've never actually seen any of them, but I sure love the idea of them. What if it's not a typo on the back of Ed 1952? What if it's just they got drunk and wrote it wrong? <laughs> That's a good explanation, and the art on this one is by Richard Corbin. And so we recap the events of Hellboy in Mexico and a lot of the stuff that happened there, everything that happened with Esteban and how he turned into Camazots. And we end with Abe asking Hellboy, you really don't remember what you were doing those last few months? And we cut to this picture of Hellboy, and he's in the luchadora outfit and it says hellboy king of the monsters so great i'm pretty sure i don't want to know hellboy says and we cut to hellboy wrestling in this match and these are really awesomely done all the different panels and you see him fighting all the different wrestlers in their different costumes him wearing that mask is just (laughs) (laughs) it, it works too well yeah it just goes on of him fighting and you see him you winning see his this little match cloven feet in the little boots yeah he's got his little wrestling boots we cut to this after scene and all the luchadores are in the bar and they're all kind of hey! hanging out oh and they're all drinking it looks like a pleasant little cafe there it's got the trellis with the vines on it oh man i bet the food there's really good mm-hmm. And they say, hi, Hellboy, good job. And he's like, thanks. And he goes and he sits by himself. And they go, he's been depressed. One of them says, something terrible happened to him, but he won't talk about it. And we cut to Camazots and when he had to fight Esteban. And he just starts glugging on this bottle. So I guess this is another page where they're drinking, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, crap, I'm not prepared. Well, I'm going to finish off the... <laughs> I'm finishing the bottle of Johnny Walker. Damn, Aubrey, I can't believe you drank that whole bottle. That's crazy. Oh, Are you no. going to be all right? And uh. so as Hellboy is glugging on this bottle, this this guy shows up. Senor Hellboy, I wonder, can I join you? And Hellboy says no. Oh, well, I'm here with a proposition, the man says. 
the man I work for is prepared to pay you 500 American dollars to wrestle his champion. That's a lot for one fight, Hellboy says. Too much, so no. 1,000, the guy says. No, go away. And he reaches in his jacket. I like how Hellboy's like, watch it. Yeah. I hoped it wouldn't come to this, the man says. But he says, if you don't come, he'll kill the girl. And he shows this picture of this woman tied up. And Hellboy's immediately on his feet. Yeah, he's like, what? And believe me, senor, he will do it. And, And if anything happens to me, if I don't come back, he'll kill her. So this guy's all getting scared of Hellboy. And he just kind of like looks at him. I really like this this bottom panel image of Hellboy. There's just that look of yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> it, it's 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 not even like a look of determination. It's just more like a stone cold. I guess cold. I gotta do this. Yeah, and it's just like almost like no emotion. It's just like you know he's gone from utterly depressed to right. game face on. And we cut to Hellboy being driven far out of the city. We cut to this old house. And Hellboy is led inside. Yikes, Hellboy says to himself, seeing all this creepy shit. There's all this, like, equipment back there. There's, like, heads in jars or whatever and body parts attached to these metal things. Gross. It is a very weird layout. I mean, why would you have your body parts next to your power box and then, like, a like a, a, a diagram? of? It's a weird-looking setup. I think it's right. just for aesthetic, honestly. Yeah. No, oh, so he purposely decorated his house yeah. in evil scientists. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That should be the next HGTV show. <laughs> yes. Doctor, we're back, the guy calls to someone. Doctor, Hellboy says, what the hell is? Oh, crap, Hellboy says, and he sees this wrestling ring. And there's a guy in there all hooked up with wires and stuff. Hey, flat top, Hellboy yells. And this guy is just completely still. And then we see somebody like cutting on an, an electric switch. And then the Frankenstein comes to life, right? And so this is Frankenstein, right? This is Mignola's version of Frankenstein. Sure, yeah. Frankenstein's monster? With instead uh. of the instead of the neck bolts, he's got the nipple bolts. Right. Looks like he's also got him on his uh, shoulder neck. Area. Also, oh, he's yeah. also he's a fucking Frankenstein. Yeah, he he's a he's a Frankenstein, and I will hear no arguments to the contrary. <laughs> Doctor Kogan <laughs> introduces himself to Hellboy, and he says the monster is his champion, and he calls for Tupo, and there's his little sidekick. He's like an Igor little character sure, guy. Sure, why not? And Tupo brings in Sonia, and she's bound. Her hands are bound. Hellboy says to let her go. But this Tupo guy is, like, ready to kill her, holding his knife. So Dr. Kogan asks Raul, the guy who brought Hellboy over to watch Sonya till they are finished. You're sure that's a good idea? Raul asks the doctor. You took your medicine? The doctor asks. Raul says, yeah. But he looks um, he looks a little worried. The doctor tells Hellboy to go into the ring. He will let the girl go if Hellboy wins. But if Frankenstein wins, Sonya will belong to him. We get a pretty good fight scene. Well, it starts off, Hellboy just punches Frankenstein like a bunch of times, and he's just standing there taking it, right? Yeah. The doctor calls for the monster to fight, and then Frankenstein, he throws Hellboy across the ring. 
but Hellboy comes back with this flying kick. I really like this panel where he's like jumping up with both of his feet in the air. Well, hold That's on. That's a wrestling move. Yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. Before he throws him across the room, Hellboy goes to throw up a punch and he just grabs his hand out of the middle of the air and then throws him across right, the Right, he catches that punch, yeah. yeah. And what is that wrestling move called, do you know? It's a drop kick, I guess. I right. Hellboy tells him to stay down, but the Frankenstein kicks Hellboy and punches him across the ring. And the doctor says, Hellboy should not feel too bad. The monster was years in the making. And yeah, just some really good action shots between Frankenstein and Hellboy as they're fighting. I like how I said I didn't know what it was, and then I promptly named what it was. <laughs> the doctor says, when he was finished making the monster, he slept for a whole week. And when he woke up, there were these little demons around. And these little demons are the same kind of devils that we saw around the castle in the yeah. Wild Hunt. These devils ask how strong the monster was and gave the doctor the idea to test its strengths on Hellboy. And if the doctor's monsters beat Hellboy, all the princes and ministers of Hell will smile upon him and reward him. And so they're still fighting and Frankenstein chokes Hellboy on the ropes in the ring and knocks him to the ground. And so when he knocks Hellboy to the ground, the doctor and Tupo, they're all finish him. They're telling they're telling Frankenstein to finish Hellboy, but he doesn't do it. So Tupo, this little guy, just starts whipping Frankenstein. And we see that he whips him across his face and on his back and his arms. And then Frankenstein, he just grabs Tupo by the legs and he just rips him down the middle. Yikes. Oh, my God. Uh, Corbin does a really good job with all this horror stuff. I really love that. He just throws him aside after that. But he, like, flies up into the air where there's into, this... like, this Tesla? Yeah, coil. there's, like, this like electrical this... coil that the doctor had and it kind of starts setting everything on fire. And as all this is happening, we see one of those little devils smiling in the corner. Frankenstein approaches the doctor... And we hear screaming. And from the other room, Sonia and Raul hear the screams. And Sonia asks Raul to let her go. Something terrible is happening. Raul says he can't. He owes the doctor for helping him with his condition. Please, Raul, I know you love me, Sonia says. Raul agrees to help her. I promise I'll take you home. And Sonia asks about the red man. Hellboy? There's no time, Sonya. He will have to take care of himself. And so I like how all this is how all this is going on. We see Hellboy trying to escape, and we see all this weird stuff in the lab. A headless body is buzzing, and then there's like this head and lungs and heart, and like the heart is like beating, and Hellboy's just looking at it, and suddenly a hand grabs Hellboy's shoulder. It's almost like it's the um prototypes to the monster right yeah. yeah and then all these everyone's trying to grab hellboy and then the guy is running out of the building with sonia and the building's falling down and it's right. just a lot of action all at once row and sonia escape the tower and everything collapses and we have this one moment here where sonia's like the nightmare's over everything's gonna be okay and then raul looks up and he sees the full moon He's and a werewolf. He starts to transform into a werewolf. I like this kind of like dog version. It's yeah. kind of like a mm -hmm. different kind of version of a werewolf. I really enjoy that. And back with Hellboy and all the rubble of the ruined lab, he hears the howling. Damn, I don't like the sound of that. They're he just says. trying to see how many of these 
old school yeah. movie monster things they can cram into one story, which is great. The werewolf chases Sonya into a crypt, and then there's this standing dead body it's a with Dracula. a sword. Yeah, it's got a sword in its chest, and it's surrounded by all these other coffins. And then Sonya removes the sword to defend herself against the werewolf. And the werewolf takes a gun out yes, and I love that. the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's so weird. I actually, while I was reading this, I was like, what the fuck? What? I was trying to think if I've ever seen a werewolf with a gun, but I think there's a wolf cop thing. Uh-huh. Isn't that a thing? Wolf cop or something oh, like man. that? Probably. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was so it was weird. It's so unusual. Very strange. I wouldn't mind seeing a story about a wolf cop. <laughs> yeah. The werewolf shoots Sonya. Hellboy tackles it just too late, and they have a fight. Meanwhile... Sonya's blood from the gunshot lands on the dead body behind her, and she falls. Hellboy grabs the werewolf's gun, and then the dead body's starting to come alive. So all this kind of action is happening at once. I really like how these three pages are paced, because it's kind of like just showing... It's just cutting back between all these different events. Hellboy shoots the werewolf, and then Hellboy attends to Sonya, and the vampire starts coming alive. The Dracula. Yeah. So we're kind of putting this together. When she pulled the sword out, she like... No, I thought it was the blood. It's a combination. Yeah, I think uh, the sword was keeping it dead, and then the blood brought it back to life. No, I think the blood well, I mean, was the Because then thing. Hellboy just gets the sword and puts it right back, and it dies. Because there's yeah. that whole... Uh, the sword where... is what killed it, and it stayed in there because they left it in there. No, I mean, there's actually a part of the myth where when you, like, stake a vampire, you have to leave it. You have to leave it in there? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Interesting. I've never heard of that. So, anyway, I just think this is a good job of storytelling over these pages. It does a really good job, but it just all happens. It's all happening so simultaneously, and it's so humorous how... My favorite part about how the Dracula, as soon as he comes back to life, I live again, and then just immediately (laughs) dead. Right, immediately. Immediately. And Hellboy doesn't even look. He doesn't even look at it. He just picks up the sword and just behind his head, he just stabs it. I was like, oh, we're going to have to deal with this fucking bullshit now. But no, we don't, actually. (laughs) It's so funny. Sonya dies, but Raul is still alive, and he says he had silver bullets in the gun, meant to kill himself, but he couldn't. And he starts crawling down the stairs. We kind of also see that that vampire has the sword back in its chest, in case we weren't sure about that. And these spirits, or all this smoke starts to come out of all these crypts. They all start to rise. Poor man. The Dracula wives. Yeah, poor man, they say to Hellboy. I thought it was interesting that they don't call him like a demon. They say, poor man. You failed to save this one. Failed to save the other. The boy Esteban. And we cut to them drinking. Yeah, it's oh, drink. no. Drink time. Ugh. And we see Esteban being taken by the vampires. You weren't there when he needed you most because you weren't there. What? Is that what he's saying? You what they weren't say? there when he needed you most because you weren't there. That's what they <laughs> say, though. I didn't realize it until now. You weren't there when he needed you most because you weren't there. Well, I Look mean, it, but it, it's cut between the flashbacks. Like, you weren't there when he needed you most. I trusted you. You see what they did to me? Because you weren't there. What? Yeah. But no, I mean, John it, is right. This dialogue I mean, if, does not make sense. But I mean, if we're weird. saying this like out loud in yeah. person. But that's what it, they're doing. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, I didn't. 
when you say it like that, it makes it seem so ridiculous. It does. <laughs> I didn't realize that until now because I just typed it. I just copied it from the thing. But anyway, we see this flashback of Esteban being taken by the vampires. And this woman says it's because Hellboy wasn't there. Raul continues to crawl. And these spirits turn into the evil vampire ladies. You drink to forget, but you can't forget. Our kisses will make you forget. And they all start to attack him. They all jump on Hellboy and he drops Sonia's body. And Raul pulls the shroud off this cross and it starts to illuminate. And it burns all the vampires. And so when he was crawling down the stairs, you could kind of see it in the corner that it had this like shroud over it. And so, it, yeah, it burns all of them, and it's kind of burning everything. And is it burning Hellboy? Because he's like, yeah, he's kind of like screaming out in this panel. Because we had talked about that once before, if he's like fireproof or whatever. I was kind of wondering what was going on there. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's something like, you know, um, Hellfire. So it's like a little different than actual fire. Than, right. Than, than well, he, fire. And he's also remembering how he had to impale Esteban. You'd think that Hellfire wouldn't affect him either, though, because he's literally right. from hell. And we see a vision of Esteban in the fire. Hellboy, you couldn't save me, but I know you tried. And she knows you tried. I did try, Hellboy says. And the whole room starts to collapse. And Hellboy goes after Sonya's body, but he doesn't get there in time. The entire building collapses. In the morning, Hellboy is still out there. Wandering through the desert until he finds this bar? Right. Well, at first he's like, I'm sorry, kid. I didn't want to leave you in there, but damn. So he couldn't get in there to Sonya's body. And yeah, so he just walks off into the desert and he finds this bar. He walks in. A drink, sir? The bartender asks. Tequila, Hellboy says. Make it two. And Frankenstein approaches from Franken nipples. Yeah. <laughs> and we cut to it's night now. And Hellboy wakes up in the bar. He looks like he's pretty hungover. Oh, crap, he says. And he remembers his drinks with Frankenstein. He said he made me, but it's not true, Frankenstein says. He bought me from a carnival. I don't know where I come from or where I'm going. Amen, brother, Hellboy says. And they both look pretty trashed, right? Yeah. And I'm starting to feel pretty trashed, Franken too. elbows. But we have to take another we drink. We have to take a drink. You have to. Do it. Yes, damn rules. Those are the rules of beer. That's the rules. And it turns to find you come to find out that turns out that the bartender's a skeleton. Right. Everything I was trying I was wondering about all this. Drinking with skeletons. Everything's dead, and we kind of see this sombrero in the corner. Everything's all full of cobwebs. Hellboy goes outside and he sees this funeral procession. Sonya's in the coffin with these skeleton pallbearers. And Raul walks at the end of the procession. After the crypt collapsed, I tried to dig her out, Hellboy says. I promised I would bring her home, Raul says. And he walks off. And from behind Hellboy, Astaroth exits from the bar. Yeah. So, like, when Hellboy was drinking, was all that a vision? Maybe Astaroth was the bartender or something? Well, I mean, we've talked about this before. Hellboy is always drinking with Skellingtons. Is Astaroth behind every single one of these encounters? But he wasn't dead yet at this point. Uh, yeah. Wasn't he? No, he wasn't. No. This this is in the the past. 56, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The peace of the grave, Astaroth says... You choose to live a man's life. 
Live and suffer like a man. You can do that. But you will never be a man. You will never know the peace of the grave. You were born in hell and bound for hell in the end. And we see Hellboy walking off with a bottle wearing the sombrero. And we close on the grave of Sonia Montejo. The end. How yeah. about it? So those were all the Hellboy in Mexico stories. Hold on. I got another thing for this one. Uh-oh. Those what do we got? Those were some fun little uh, romps through Mexico. Were they? Or were they horrifying and sad? Well, yes. <laughs> Mignola writes, when I started plotting Hellboy in Mexico, I fully intended to draw it myself, but somewhere along the way, I realized Richard Corbin would do a much better job with it than I would. The exact same thing happened with House of the Living Dead. This one is really just a huge pile of stuff that I thought would be fun to draw. I remember how fast it came together. I pace around when I plot things, and I remember where I was in the kitchen when I came up with the bit where the werewolf pulls a gun out of his pocket. <laughs> and, I, and that, I think, is the moment when I knew that, yes, Richard was the guy to draw this one, too. His hair was perfect. There is always a little sadness when you hand a story like this off to someone else. But when you're handing it over to someone like Richard, there's the excitement of knowing you will eventually get to see all this great stuff. And Richard has never failed to deliver the goods. Rarely do I get from Richard what I expect. Sometimes a scene I write as a funny gag turns into something dark and menacing. Sometimes he finds a way to make my dark and menacing stuff comic. I rarely get what I expect, but I've never been disappointed. He's a genius. And that really sums up this one. The unnamed reanimated corpse Hellboy is forced to fight was just that. An unnamed reanimated corpse till I took a stab at writing the back cover copy for the graphic novel and I realized that it sounded just better to call him the Frankenstein monster, which of course eventually led him to getting his very odd series Frankenstein Underground. So there is a series of this of this monster that we'll get to. Yeah. When you realize <laughs> cool. that you've when you realize that you've created, even unintentionally, your own version of Mary Shelley's creature, you have to give him something to do. Mike Mignola. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, awesome. So this was great. I'm so glad we were able to cover all the Hellboy in Mexico stories. And um, I hope everybody had fun with the episode. I'm feeling pretty good right now. <laughs> so I'm glad that I don't have to talk anymore. And now Aubrey's <laughs> going to say all the things. So, did you guys have fun with us, too? Share us your thoughts on Hellboy in Mexico and other stories. Uh, you can send us your feedback at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. And the Discord link is on our Facebook page. And be sure to check out our friends at com and check out John's really cool article that I plan to read on <laughs> Yeah, um, Grongok. This works out. I'll have read it by the time you hear me say uh, I'm going to read it. There you go. <laughs> Future baby. You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are going to be back with the BPRD, Hell on Earth, and the stories New World and Seattle. So you know what to do. Get your trades. Get your omnis. Get your library editions. 
get the Hoopla app recommended to us. That's from a our library, yes. but it's a digital library. Yeah, recommend, cool. recommended to us by our, our wonderful listeners. Garrett Wenger. Thank you. And follow along with us on the Hellboy Book Club podcast. And because we're your friends, and now we're talking about Hellboy. And take it away, Aubrey. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas. I'm Danielle. And I'm Aubrey Lovelace saying, Where's your donkey now, pal? <laughs> <laughs> Cheers.